Hello, hello, and welcome to whatever this is, the gaming news show. Today is the 15th of May, 2020. I am Gary Clark, and let's get into it. How many stories today? Four stories. First story. Halo Infinite will be shown at the Xbox Series X event in July. Now we know this because if you go onto Halo Waypoint, the most recent post by 343 Industries is that we'll see more of the game during the upcoming stream. Now if you scroll to the very bottom, you'll see that Halo Infinite and a very nice shout of the Master Chief. Mm. You may have seen people talking about this lightly before, but we're extremely excited to confirm that Halo Infinite will be one of many first-party titles included in the Xbox 2020 event in July. Get ready. Now, I don't imagine that it's definite we're going to get gameplay, but considering that on May 7th when they had the other Inside Xbox event, it was kind of disappointing to not see gameplay after they said they would be showing Xbox Series X gameplay. So to curb those opinions, they'll probably be showing us something in engine. Story number two. Nintendo confirms 50% digital sales for Animal Crossing New Horizons. And this is by Matthew Handrahan at gamesindustry.biz. Now, of course, looking at the headline and a lot of the content in the article, it is focusing on the digital sales aspect and that 50% of all the sales came from digital, and it makes sense in these unprecedented times. Though I will also mention there are some interesting quotes in it which could reveal even more later on. And these quotes are coming from Nintendo president Shuntaro Furukawa. On the other hand, once consumers experience the convenience of digital downloads, they tend to continue to choose digital downloads in the future. So we think that the percentage of digital sales will increase overall, end quote. And also continuing, and another point in the article, that Furukawa said that Nintendo aimed, quote, to achieve total lifetime sales at around the level we're at now. They weren't expecting to make it, <laughs> make their projections for the end of its life cycle already in just two months of the game being released. And here's the part that's really jamming with me. At the end of the article, there was a quote from Furukawa saying that, and since this phenomenon has led to so many consumers purchasing new hardware, and I think a key topic for this fiscal year will be how to recommend a second or third title to them and how we can leverage our already released titles in doing so. Now, of course, he's mentioning that a lot of the people coming onto it, once they get digital, they don't go back. But also that they're how they're going to be recommending these to family members and focusing on family and recommending it through your friends. And that last part, and how we can leverage our already released titles in doing so. I think that apart from obviously updating games like Ring Fit Adventure, it could also include having references to other games. I mean, we can see that in that Ring Fit Adventure just allowed new updates, including soundtracks from games such as Breath of the Wild, Splatoon, Mario Odyssey, and if we're looking at the trailer for the new Paper Mario, which was announced yesterday, there is, at the end of it, a little cameo of Mario having Samus's hat on, same as from the Metroid series. So we're seeing these little references, which are reminding me of the days back in 1990. I'm not old enough, of course, I wasn't born at this time. But in 1993, there are stories from the director of Link's Awakening, who also happened to be in charge of IP, I believe, because there was an interview with Game Informer where he mentioned that since it was pretty freeform and it was more like an after-school club of everyone just hanging out, making a game, that, that there's so many cameos 
from people in the Mario and Kirby series that having this more like freeform approach of just allowing their content, the Nintendo property and content to actually drizzle out into their other properties and not just stay inside those worlds are reminding me of those times in the 90s and the 80s where they just kind of let them be. They just kind of let them, those characters drift out. Third story. Ghost of Tsushima State of Play Reveal. Now you can see this 18 minute video on the PlayStation YouTube channel that Ghost of Tsushima had a reveal showing off gameplay, showing off gameplay, exploring some systems and explaining how the world is going to work. A few things they mentioned is that there are two different approaches to the pathways you can do, such as the samurai path or the ghost path. Ghost is gonna be focusing more on gadgets and also stealthy approaches, and Samurai is gonna be all about parrying and different stances to try and take care of your opponent's weaknesses. Now, when they showed this off two years ago, it already looked amazing, and it is continuing to look amazing in this new reveal. But the thing that's really getting to me is how the world is telling you where to go. They're not showing objective markers per se, and a gust of wind to show you where the next objective is, or follow a fox and he'll show you where the shrine is, a Souls-like, perhaps? This seems to be the closest thing we'll get to also a modern-day Tenchu game, which is something that I love that series, and we got a little bit with Sekiro, which is more of a, a hardcore approach, especially with how maneuverable your character was. But this seems slower and more methodical, both in the combat and the way you're planning out your approaches. And of course they're mentioning the photo modes, where you can take your own pictures or videos and share them online. And also a samurai cinema mode, which is which if you turn it on would give you this black and white film grain look. And also even increase the wind to make it feel like a samurai movie. Something that I got reminded of constantly while watching this gameplay footage was Breath of the Wild, the Legend of Zelda game from like three years ago. And since it's been three years, that is a good amount of time for now to start seeing games taking inspiration from it and seeing references like this, especially with sayings like wanting to see how the in-game world can tell you where to go or to interest the player, which is a huge amount of testing when it's the Breath of the Wild to see that no matter where you were on a mountaintop or a rooftop, that you can just look, see something and go, I wanna go there. There's always multiple points of interest to want to guide the player in that direction. And it seems like they're taking that inspiration and wanting to see how the world can tell the player what to do and let them kind of make that choice of, will I do that or will I go over there? That looks cool, that looks cool too. But of course, more will be revealed in the run up to the 17th of July when it releases. And I look forward to seeing more of it. That is genuinely one of the most exciting games of this year for myself. And story number four. Now this is just an interesting little story that the creators of Resident Evil 3 Remake, and just to let you know, if you don't want any spoilers for Resident Evil 3 Remake or Resident Evil 4, it's not a huge one, but it's something, then please get to this point in the video to not go anywhere near that. Now onto the cool kids who decided to stay with me. Hello. Now in a PlayStation blog post to announce Nemesis' arrival, Nemesis being the main kind of antagonist or the character who's constantly following you like the tyrant in Resident Evil 2, in the Resident Evil 3 remake. Now this character is going to be arriving into the multiplayer experience that is Resident Evil Resistance. And in this blog post, the Resident Evil 3 development team explained why, in contrast to the PS1 version, why Nemesis in this version of it was able to infect the zombies with parasites. And apparently this goes all down to, it was a reference, but also a continuation of the lore from Resident Evil 4, kind of retconning what happens in Resident Evil 4 with saying that it only 
the parasites only happen in kind of European villages and also in Spain, and they just happen to break out. They wanted something that would make Nemesis come across as more formidable opponent rather than just having a heavy artillery, that he could actually infect the parasites into the zombies around him to have some diversity. And this does retcon the lore a little bit rather than just being something that had nothing to do with the Umbrella Corporation. Now it's actually involved with them as just another research team that was in Europe while the T-virus was happening in the USA, if I have my Resident Evil lore correct. But also Capcom's decision to retcon the lore makes complete sense when you consider that Resident Evil 4 Remake is confirmed to be happening and release date around 2022, which Capcom confirmed back in April with Video Game Chronicles. And speaking of Resident Evil 4 Remake, I think the thing that's most interesting about it is that the person who is doing it, the director, is pretty much unproven at this point. So it seems like it could go off in a completely different direction rather than just making a very Resident Evil 4 style Resident Evil 2 remake and 3, it's hard to go to Resident Evil 4 and make it the same game when those games took so much from Resident Evil 4. How do you go to the original formula without changing something up? So we could see a huge difference in how Resident Evil 4 remake is going to compare to the original with a new director. Now, thank you very much for listening. I've been Gary Clark. This is whatever this is. But of course, if you have any suggestions for a new name for the show, because I'm always looking for a new one, then please feel free to get in touch with me. You'll see all the details down below in the links. And goodbye and stay safe and stay aware.